1: Hello everybody and welcome to episode three hundred and sixty-nine of the Packaday podcast. My name is Andy Herman. Of course, you can always follow me on Twitter at Scottnie Sports. I'm a writer for Cheesehead TV, and my guest today to break down Packers training camp through the first four days is none other than Ross Uglum. Ross is a writer for 24-7 Sports and Cheesehead TV, and of course, he is a regular right here on the Pack-A-Day podcast team. Ross, this has been a ton of fun through the course of this weekend. You've got to attend three practices. I've got to attend four practices. Uh, We got to spend some time together, create a couple videos. Thanks so much for taking the time to join me tonight to break down training camp and some of the observations that we've had so far.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It was fun. Um, I just want to say to the folks, like, we get it. We understand that the audio quality was not great on those two videos. We're in one situation with some pretty high winds and one situation with a very loud uh, HVAC system <laughs> in kind of a patio. And, uh, you know, we kind of just hope that you appreciated the, you know, those videos for what they were. Hopefully next camp we'll, we'll do a little better job. We'll we'll nail down uh, maybe some better locations.
1: Yeah. And I mean, to be fair too, the, these are taken, you know, pretty much right after camp, we've got a, a cell phone and uh, you know, a microphone and that, that's pretty much what we're working with in those scenarios. So uh, we'll, like Ross said, we'll definitely try to get you some better audio moving forward, but uh, we definitely wanted to get you the content as quickly as we could. And that was kind of our focus in those two specific scenarios, but hopefully uh, this tonight will give you great audio and still get you some of that, uh, you know, information that you guys are all craving. It's been tremendous. Uh, you've, you've, you guys have had a ton of questions for both Ross and I uh, the interaction on Twitter and social media has been amazing uh, so Ross let's jump right in let's talk Packers training camp I just want to start right away what were your biggest takeaways from your you know experience at camp so far
2: I mean I think the big one especially as you watched those first couple of days was just the Mike Patton defense being ahead of the Matt LaFleur offense which it should be I mean you're You're in second year of Patton's defense. You've just spent huge money on two edge rushers. You spent your first two picks. Now, we didn't obviously see, you know, Darnell, but you you just spent your first two picks on defense. You spent big money on edge rushers, big money on a safety. It it makes sense, frankly, that the defense was ahead of the offense, but – I still felt it's worth mentioning that just because it's it's uh it's significant. I mean you you could definitely tell which unit was further ahead.
1: Yeah, I totally agree and I will say this though. I the first two days it was blatantly obvious. Defense really Uh, not shut the offense out, but they were, you know, miles ahead of the offense day three, the offense uh, really struck back quite a bit. And I thought offense one day three, I think offense one day four today as well, but it was closer. And certainly the defense made some plays as well. So I think it's been a good balance. uh, And I've certainly liked that as well. But uh, to your point, those first two days were uh, so far ahead. The defense was so far ahead of the offense that even with two good days from the offense, it was, you know, kind of tough to overcome uh, just how well they played in those first two days. For, for me, the two biggest takeaways first of all, was just the, the Matt LaFleur training camp so far. And I've been so impressed uh, just with the process, the procedure, uh, the openness. You've got players coaching players. Uh, you've got the coaches really interacting with the players really well. Uh, the, the communication is fantastic. Um, I talked to Aaron Nagler a little bit about this earlier today. And I, I think one of the biggest trepidations that I had going into this offseason is you had a, a 10 to 11-year veteran coach in Mike McCarthy who for some of his faults and some of his things that he did well, uh, he was very organized into a T in exactly how he wanted training camp uh, to look, exactly what he was trying to accomplish. And I thought he usually did a you know really good job with all of that. And now all of a sudden, you're getting a, a brand new head coach, and you don't know what that's going to look like. And I think he's just really hit it out of the park so far, and I'm, I'm incredibly excited to see how that continues. And then the other thing uh, I had noted, uh, noted during OTAs that there were two players that were starting to stick out to me a little bit that was Rashawn Gary and Trevor Davis but of course the big caveat to that was that there were no pads and then both of them I thought looked good through the first few days of training camp as well but again no pads well today the pads came on and to me uh, I would say best in show today was probably Trevor Davis if not if not best in show he's one of the top three to five players for sure today and Rashawn Gary right there with them and uh, I'm just you know excited about those two players and hopefully they continue to shine through camp uh, and, and obviously uh, when the regular season starts.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the Gary hype seems to be growing, and we're definitely gonna we're, we're definitely gonna see have to see something uh, during the preseason. But right now, I really feel like the Gary hype is starting to gain traction, almost like a snowball. He just keeps stacking success, and you start to move away from some of the film and move closer towards some of the verbal stuff that came. Uh, You know, even from like his defensive coordinator in Michigan that basically called him a steal and said, you guys don't understand what we're what we were doing, what we're asking from him. Uh, if he's given different responsibilities, this is what you'll see. And so far, man, I'm starting to think that may- maybe he was right, but we aren't even to the point, you know, where we're breaking down preseason tape. So it is everything is certainly with a grain of
1: salt. 100%. And I mean, I think the important thing is, is it would be it would be concerning if it didn't look good, right? It would, you yeah, know, right. we can't we can't jump to any conclusions yet. Because like you said, uh, we've seen you know training camp heroes and stars flame out once once the lights come on uh, we have we've we've been burnt by that before to an extent Josh Jones is a good example of that somebody who came in rookie camp mini camp training camp uh, checked all the boxes and then you know even in the second or third game of his career against the Bengals played lights out and then you know just kind of has fizzled a little bit since then so uh, we're a long ways away you know we're not nobody's saying that uh, he's a surefire pro bowler you know he's not even a star Starter at this point uh, but it, it, you know all the signs are, are really great so far and that's exactly what you want to see so that's promising so Rashawn Gary obviously one of those players but uh, besides Rashawn Gary and maybe Trevor Davis to an extent as well who have been some standout players that uh, have really kind of uh, you know risen to the occasion and, and stood out to you so far?
2: Well one of the guys and you always want to kind of it seems like we we gravitate towards guys that might not even make the roster when we do this just because you you have certain expectations of the veterans and you're going to be mostly talking about young guys, newcomers, and fringe roster guys. And one of the fringe roster guys that I guess I've definitely noticed is Curtis Bolton. Uh, That was a guy that we mentioned on one of the videos that we did. He's a linebacker, undrafted free agent out of uh, Oklahoma. He seems to even be running ahead of where seventh round pick Ty Summers is running, though we're not, you and I have talked about this as well. We're not convinced that they play in the exact same position in the defense, but he, he's a guy that's jumped out to me. I think, you know, my, my gosh, Darius Shepard has, even from a, what they're asking him to do standpoint has really kind of really gone beyond my expectations. I mean, I didn't, I didn't You you wouldn't have told me that a tryout guy like Shep, you know, w- was going to come in and get red zone reps at the ones or a play slot for the twos consistently. So th- that's a guy I think that has made plays quite a bit in camp, has been put in position to make plays in camp. I think he had one bad drop on day three. But other than that, I, I have a hard time finding, you know, a real negative. And then another guy, um, it, it, as much as you can, See this early from from their position group, but as Cole Madison, yeah. from what I understand, Cole has had an exceptional camp, uh, specifically in one on one drills, and that was his thing. Man was pass blocking. I mean, he was one of the most efficient pass blocking tackles in college football his senior year. Granted, Washington State is basically only going to allow you to pass block. It was this draft year's um, <laughs> Andre Dillard paradigm. It's it, it's what. You know, excited us about Dillard, but uh, Madison, I, I think, w- was sort of a guy that people would talk about, not necessarily as a joke, but he was always that that crutch to lean on with offensive uh, line. Well, if they just get Cole Madison to come back. Reminds me of when uh, Mike Neal was hurt, and the pass rush was just going to get fixed when Mike Neal comes back. It's like guys, I've never even seen this kid play, but. Now that we've seen a little bit of him, I can see what they saw in him uh, as a potential elite pass blocking guard.
1: Yeah, he was one of my standouts from today. And, uh, you know, you weren't even at today's and I thought he, he had a phenomenal, uh, phenomenal day today, held up well in the one on ones. Um, and just somebody that when he's been uh, in team drills, you haven't seen him get beat at all. So uh, excited about him. I also had uh, Curtis Bolton on my list as well. I kind of separated it into kind of two different lists, just kind of the, the general standout players, like you said, in a lot of these situations, we're looking for some of the younger guys, some of the fringe roster guys. In that list, I had uh, Curtis Bolton, of course, Chandon Sullivan. If you're looking for a super sleeper, I thought he's had a, a few days uh, of good practice and a lot of it's against the threes and fours. And uh, he's got a long way to go. Not certainly saying that he's a, a rosterable player at this point in time, but I have liked what I've seen out of him. I would say of all like the the super sleeper players, he's been the one that's uh, stood out to me so far. Um, And then uh, Kadar Holloman and Tony Brown, uh, to to a little bit of a different extent. You know, both of these guys have been pretty darn sticky in coverage so far, and especially before the pads came on today. uh, These are you know situations that a lot of times benefit the receiver. Um, and I thought they've been pretty sticky in their coverage, as I mentioned. I think Tony Brown's been a uh, victim of a, a few bad beats. Uh, Jamon Moore or J'mon Moore had a, a 50-50 ball that he went up and skied over Tony Brown. And there have been a couple other completions where Tony Brown was right there, good coverage, but the receiver was able to come down with the ball. Uh, Kadar Holloman had that happen today uh, with Devontae Adams, who absolutely skied over him for a catch. But I've been impressed with their their man-to-man coverage and what they've been able to do uh, so early in both of their careers but the the core guys that I had on my standout list are none of them are going to surprise you and that's Kenny Clark, David Bakhtiari, Devontae Adams and then Zadarius Smith who I think has had a really strong introduction to the Green Bay Packers and he's already starting to make a major name for himself on that defense.
2: Yeah Kadar is a guy I think you know when you you visualize Kadar in the defense. He's almost the anti Josh Jackson. And what I mean about that is Josh really was put in a position to not succeed last year in the sense that he was put in man, man situations in nickel uh, with a two way go and basically playing exact opposite of what he played in college and succeeded at, which was an off the ball zone cornerback, you know, on the edge, on the outside, playing the boundary, playing the field, whichever, but not at no point in, in, in Josh's uh, Iowa tape did it say or show, okay, this is your nickelback. I mean, it showed zone corner, yep. if not free safety. Well, Kadar's the exact opposite. Kadar's college tape and what you and I witnessed in camp this weekend is, boy, sure. if you can just you know, run him out there, and obviously this is not how calling a defense works, but if you can just run him out there and say, hey, You're impressed, man, for the next 60 snaps. I think you already have a serviceable NFL corner. I just don't know if he can do literally anything else.
1: Yeah, that, that's going to be certainly something that's uh, worth keeping an eye on. You know, he's got the 4 three forty to help him out a little bit. Uh, but like you said, if it wasn't such a tell, it would be uh, amazing to use Josh Jackson and Kadar Hallman in a platoon. If you're playing man, put in Hallman. If you're playing zone, play Jackson. But like you said, of course, you can't build a defensive backfield that way. But uh, yeah, those are definitely
2: like rotating in Jimmy Graham and Mercedes Lewis. It'd be like, gee, I wonder what we're, you know,
1: I wonder what we're doing here. Exactly, exactly. But uh, those are definitely their strengths as a player, and it's going to be up to those two as well as the coaching staff to get them to succeed in all facets of the game. So uh, certainly something that's going to be worth keeping an eye on going forward. Uh, Have there been any plays, you know, we kind of touched base on the players now that have stood out. Any big plays that have kind of stood out to you through the first few days of training camp?
2: I'll tell you one that I really loved, and it was more of a a design than anything else, was uh, I think it was... I think it was Geronimo or Devonte, but what they did was they faked a sweep, going from the weak side of the formation to the strong side of the formation, and then threw a backside slant after the defense had shifted with the jet motion. And to kind of make that a little more simpler, talk to the layman. Basically, they took they took a receiver, they faked a sweep, and then where everybody used to be standing, there was created this opening. And Rodgers fired a slant in there, and I don't know if – I can't remember if it went for 20 yards or for, for touchdown or whatever it did. But the design was so beautiful and so simple uh, that it just – I mean, it, it just stuck with me. I, I really, really, really enjoyed that. Um, as far as, like, individual uh, performances or individual efforts, I thought that there were a couple by Dexter Williams that really showed me that he had the juice – I thought Oren Burks made some really impressive plays, including forcing an interception against uh, Aaron Jones in kind of a one-on-one type type situation. Uh, but then, you know, other than that, it was maybe even the, uh, 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 the hot read by, by Deshaun Kaiser, which is something I felt like really showed some growth because Deshaun has definitely shown the propensity to panic and to turn the ball over And he got the ball out on the exact correct read. It wasn't a great ball. Vitaly had to dive to get it. But because of the design of the blitz, you know, there was vacated space there. And he was able to get up and and kind of saunter into the end zone, basically. So those are some plays that have sort of uh, stuck with me.
1: Yeah, you hit on uh, you know one of them for sure in the Oren Burks interception one on one against Aaron Jones. Uh, just it was a double move by Aaron Jones. It's one on one, and he had he could go any direction he wanted. So this is a massive you know disadvantage to Oren Burks. Stuck with him on the first move. Stuck with him on the second move. Undercut the route and then made a, a you know kind of a little bit of a juggling interception on the play. So uh, beautiful play by him, and that was after uh, a rep where he stood really well with I think it was Jamal Williams uh, in another uh, in another route as well. So uh, he looked good in those two reps. And obviously the, the pick was amazing. We touched a little bit on Curtis Bolton earlier. I thought uh, his strip sack to end team activities was something that stood out against uh, Manny Wilkins. And then two I touched base on already, but Devontae Adams catch today over Kadar Holloman. Uh, this was, uh, this was a, when you talk about going up and mossing someone or going up and skying for a catch, I mean, it looked like. You know Devonte Adams' waist was at Kadar Hallman's head. I mean, he there were there was a 50-50 ball. Uh, Jamon Moore who who caught over Tony Brown. It was because you know Jamon Moore put his hands up and and just kind of out muscled Brown for the ball. This was Devontae Adams going up, skying for a football, and poor Kadar Holloman, just he didn't have a chance. And it wasn't that he was in bad coverage. He was in great coverage. Uh, just by the time he got his head around, uh, Devontae Adams skied up and had the ball in his hands and came down with it. So uh, Devontae Adams, you talk about a player who has made – progressions in every year of his career and has continued to get better and better and better. I'm starting to see things even now that I even see him doing last year. And uh, it's just a scary, scary thing because the game is moving so slowly for Devonte Adams and he's playing at a totally different level.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Devante, you know, is someone right now that is really playing uh, his best football. I think what's going to be key for him this season is, is the ability of Marquez Valdez-Scantling to threaten defenses. Uh, I, I don't know as though Jimmy Graham, even just Jimmy Graham running down the seam, is, is going to do that. I think they have to find a way to stress defenses out of, you know, just doubling Devontae to death. Now, I, I think you would argue that any progression from the receivers is going to provide the Packers more of a second option than they had last year. And Devontae still darn near rewrote the entire receiving record book. So what am I worried about? But from top to bottom, if Marquez Valdez-Scantling can be an exceptional second option, I think the offense can go to a completely different level.
1: Yeah, and to speak to that today, there was a play uh, where they went play action, and MVS was pretty much a decoy to clear the defense deep, and then Devonte Adams came underneath. Uh, you know, kind of just a crosser throughout the, uh, you know, the, the width of the field. And, uh, you know, he's wide open. I mean, he beat Jair Alexander a couple times on in-breaking routes today. And that was one of those plays. And uh, it just, you know, Rogers had time to throw the football. MBS cleared everyone deep and it's just Adams in space. And that's exactly what you want. And to your point, if MBS can be that guy and defenses have to pay attention to him, because he's uh, too much of a weapon, just one-on-one to stick with, that's going to open up a lot for Devontae Adams. And that's exactly what we saw in that play today. Uh, let's move forward just a little bit. Let's talk about some of the rookies. Uh, so far, of course, we talked about you know Rashawn Gary a little bit. Uh, we talked about, about Kadar Holloman. We touched briefly on Dexter Williams, and Darnell Savage has been out so far. But uh, Elton Jenkins, Jay Sternberger, Kingsley Kiki, Ty Summers, uh, that whole group of rookies. What have been your thoughts on the rookie class so far? I
2: think everybody, frankly, has been impressed by what Gary's been able to put down. Everybody's a little bit disappointed that we haven't gotten a chance to see Darnell just because of how exciting I think Darnell is to everyone and, frankly, how much capital they gave up to acquire him. It, it puts a lot of weight on his shoulders as far as you know needing to pan out and needing to be a good player. Beyond that, Sternberger um, and Jenkins. Uh, Jenkins, what are you really going to learn? Uh, he hasn't gotten his ass kicked, which I think is important for a rookie yep. interior lineman, especially a rookie interior lineman that occasionally has to practice against Dean Lowry and Kenny Clark. Uh, I think that's, you know, positive. Jace Sternberger is pretty clearly behind Lewis, Graham, and Tanyan. So sure. we're not seeing a ton out of Jace, but, but you never really know what their plan is as far as, you know, his timeline. I don't know how long they view Mercedes Lewis and Jimmy Graham as members of the Green Bay Packers. So, you know, you would just assume that, boy, Jace's time is is coming and then you know you get you get down the line to your your Kings Kikis who uh, how much can you really know with how how little they've had pads on Ty Summers you know we've mentioned well okay is he backing up Blake Martinez where Curtis Bolton's backing up Oren Burks and that's why Bolton's ahead of Summers supposedly because they have James Crawford who who in the world knows but I, I feel like everybody has been as expected and so far. There's no one where you're really concerned and you are, you know, they just look out of their depth. And and that has happened before, even with draft picks where they do get to camp and you just immediately know like, oh, shoot, this guy can't play.
1: Yeah there've been there's stories of of players who have come into even just you know their first rookie mini camp and and scouts and and coaches being like oh this is not the guy that that we expected. So uh, I totally agree with you I think uh, not a single one of these players has looked out of their element and probably besides Elton Jenkins I've seen at least a flash play here or there from pretty much everyone on this list. Uh, Dexter Williams had a fantastic one cut and burst upfield today that uh, he would have taken for uh, a very big gain. Uh, You know, I think Matt LaFleur was uh, a little bit, um, you know, kind of put the brakes on things a little bit with Dexter Williams today, just to say, I think he made mention of something to the effect of, uh, he had a, a little bit of a tough time in mini camp and he still has a ways to go, but that they like what they see out of him so far. So uh, you could tell there was a little bit of uh, a pause there where Dexter still has a ways to go. My guess if I had to, had to guess is that's probably in pass protection and probably, uh, receiving a little bit, but uh, you know, we'll we'll have to wait and see there. Ty Summers, I thought, really started slow the first couple days. Um, like you said, even behind Curtis Bolton, but I thought the last two days he's picked it up a bit. Kingsley Kiki, kind of the reverse. I thought the first couple of days he had a, flat, a couple flash plays. Last two days, I didn't see him do quite as much. Uh, but yeah, all of these guys, and especially guys like Rashawn Gary, um, you know, really, really standing out. And, and we're just so excited still to see Darnell Savage once he can get out on the field.
2: For sure. And, and, you have to base kind of this class a little bit on, or not necessarily base them on, but kind of compare them to last year's class and just think about where your expectations are with with those players. What you think of where Oren Burks is in year two? What you think of Josh Jackson, Jair Alexander? We are just now kind of trying to figure out whether we think Kunst is a good drafter or not. And I would say so far, you know, the results are pretty good. I think people are at least, you know, we were talking a little bit at at Rainesky Field about if he nails Jair Alexander and Marquez Valdez-Scantling to the point that we think those two picks have been nailed, it might not even matter how, how the rest of everything else shakes out.
1: Yeah, those those two have the ability to be just that good, and and I think that's the hope. And they've got big sophomore years ahead of them, you know. And to, and to be fair, Acornia St. Brown's had a couple really nice days at camp too. And we're not, we're certainly not saying that some of these other guys can't. Or we already talked about Oren Burks. We see some guys making a second year jump, in my opinion, as well. And again, all of this is still early. Nobody's uh, you know claiming that any of these guys are are for real going forward. But you like to see positive signs, and I think we've seen a lot of that, not only from the rookies but from that second year class as well. But uh, another big group of players on this team that we've been keeping a close eye on have been those free agents, Adrian Amos, Preston Smith, Zadarius Smith, Billy Turner. We talked about Zadarius Smith already. I think he's one of the best, probably one of the top two or three players on this defense right now, uh, probably behind Kenny Clark. And then maybe you can have a conversation about uh, you know maybe being second, third, fourth on that list. But to me, he's already going to be one of the top players on this defense. But what did you see out of these four players, and who's kind of stood out to you the most, uh, maybe besides Darius Smith?
2: Yeah, I, I think um, one guy you have to pay attention to is definitely Billy Turner, if only because the quarterback keeps saying you need to pay attention to him. Yep, I, I, I think they've definitely got something there in the sense of they now have a, a player that they feel like can be a – Above average starter at right guard, and then provide that relief uh, if something ever does happen with Bulaga, and, and you can. I I think you can see that even more if you kind of read between the lines and see just how many left tackle snaps Jason Spriggs is taking. I, I'm not convinced that if something were to happen to Bulaga, they would just kick Billy over and and keep Spriggs on the bench. But I am starting to wonder. If Spriggs is not the backup left tackle, and they're just trying to train him into that one position, and maybe Billy Turner is the backup right tackle, and you would see uh, Cole Madison or Elton Jenkins or McRae, whatever, pick, you know, take your pick. But it just seems like they're really trying to get Jason Spriggs a ton of left tackle reps, uh, playing you know guys like Alex Light at right tackle, and and, and getting. They're working there. Uh, other than that, I think you saw really what you expected to see. Preston Smith's been a little bit slow, uh, but but how are you really supposed to you know, judge pass rushers that can't even finish their rush or they'll basically be released from the team, especially if it's Rodgers? And then you, you're seeing everything from Adrian Amos that you were told to look for, which was being exactly where he's supposed to be every single freaking play in making exactly the play he's supposed to make and no splashes yet i, I don't think amos has caused a turnover in in practice but that's kind of like not his deal he just never blows a coverage and will more than like you know more more often than not force some sort of an incompletion
1: yeah, I, I think the, the big thing with all four of these players, at least so far, is that you, you've seen everything that you would expect from all four of them. And just finished up my grades on Billy Turner, watching every snap from a season ago. Uh, overall was a slight negative, but if you look at him just at guard graded in the positive, um, and I think you, you want to talk about an upgrade there. Uh, Byron Bell was my lowest graded player by far and away, and I mean by far and away last year, and especially on offense. Uh, and he was obviously the the main player at right guard through the majority of last season to go from him to what Billy Turner is going to be is just going to be such a massive upgrade. So uh, I think you've seen exactly what you've expected out of Billy Turner. Uh, Zadarius Smith's been everything as advertised. Like you said, Adrian Amos, no splash yet, but everywhere that he's supposed to be, he's, he's fit, his run fits really, really well. Uh, and he had the the nice pass breakup against Devonte Adams, which you captured uh, so beautifully uh, in, in photograph form as well. So uh, everything about these four players I've, is exactly as advertised Preston Smith has been a beast crashing the edge, as has Rashawn Gary and Zadarius Smith. Uh, the running backs haven't had a ton of places to go because these edge rushers have been fantastic at blowing up the edge and not giving them a place to go. And oh, by the way, if you are setting the edge well, you're funneling everything right back into Kenny Clark, which good luck with that. And and Blake Martinez has been, I, I thought, has, has had a really nice camp as well. So uh, they're doing everything that they're supposed to be. And uh, like you said, maybe you'd like a, a few more splash plays, but uh, they they're as advertised so far.
2: Well, right. And, I mean, that was the thing with Amos, right? That's why the Bears fans are so chirpy is because he was the rock solid guy next to the, the the playmaker in Eddie Jackson. He was the, you know, what they drafted Morgan Burnett to be next to Nick Collins. He played that role, and he played it perfectly. And now they've made their attempt at recreating that exact scenario where they have a playmaker, a star, or at least they think they do in Darnell Savage, and then just the, the world's most rock steady vet in Adrian Amos.
1: Yeah, Adrian Amos is, uh, you know, the guy that you marry, not the guy you bring home at night. He's not super sexy. He's not going to, you know, have the sizzle on the steak, but he's consistent and solid and exactly what you want to bring home to your parents. That's, that's my Adrian Amos comp, Ross, and you're never going to get better than that.
2: Yeah, I, I would agree with that.
1: <laughs> well, I guess my next question after that uh, amazing analogy is: What does Green Bay need to focus on moving forward? What are some things that they really still need to work on?
2: For me, it's just uh, establishing offensive continuity. They need to, uh, you know, pick. I think they need to narrow down their skill position guys. They're they're pretty flat, in my opinion, as far as. Uh, if we're just talking like just say Madden ratings in my head, not necessarily actual Madden ratings, but you've got as far as what's been proven, you've got like a 95 in Devonte Adams and then everybody else sort of goes between 75 and, and 80 or 75 and 81. Maybe maybe MVS is an 83 or an 84. But if we're just talking about you know what what is to be expected of these of these guys, they have such a wide open competition, and and we're obviously hopeful that it's a wide open top competition between a bunch of guys who can play. But it's wide open, and it almost seems like potentially this constant shuffling in and out of personnel, whether it's tailbacks, tight ends, receivers, they all just constantly jumble, and it's it we're so far gone. And I, I'll never forget, you know, when they had in 2014. Jordy played the X, Devontae played the Z, Randall played the slot, and Richard Rodgers played the tight end, and they just went up and down the field with either Starts or Lacey constantly, most of the time calling it without a huddle. We're so far gone from having three receivers that they absolutely trust uh, that we're just in a completely different situation, and I think it might be kind of throwing off the rhythm a bit that just all these parts are constantly moving in and out. And, and as I think they get a better idea of which six or seven receivers and which three or four backs they're actually going to move forward into the season with, then I think you'll maybe see a little bit more uh, continuity in this new offensive scheme.
1: Yeah, it's super funny. I think you're reading right off my notes, Ross. The 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 one A on my list was just continued chemistry. And uh, you're you're with a new offense. You know, some of these uh, players are still first and second year players, and you're just trying to get everyone on the same page. There's been some illegal motions. There's been some false starts, and it's just getting everyone ingrained in this offense and on the same page. And that's going to take time, and you don't expect it to be there on you know day three and four of practice. So uh, that's one A that I'm looking for. I want to see consistency out of the running game. I think the defense has won that, that aspect of it, although I think the offense looked a little bit better with the true pads on today. Uh, in that capacity. But I think that needs to continue to be a work in progress because if they really want to run play action off of that stretch run game, uh, they, they need to have at least some ability to run the football. And then last but not least is is just those splash plays on defense. I've seen a ton of pressure from the defense. Uh, day one, we saw interceptions from Blake Martinez and Kyler Fackrell. Uh, but overall, I, I think some of those those big interceptions have, have escaped the defense so far. And I think if there's one thing that I'm really keen on keeping an eye on, you know, first, First of all, this defense was basically allergic to turnovers a season ago. Um, and then if you look at this, this defense as a whole, you, you've got a bunch of guys. We, we talked about already Adrian Amos has not been a turnover machine by any stretch of the imagination in his career. Kevin King, same thing. Blake Martinez, same thing. Uh, Preston Smith has not been a, you know, a big play type of guy, you know, even, uh, you know, Dean Lowry to an extent, you know, Kenny Clark, uh, not this, you know, big, uh, you know, strip sack, you know, guy that's going to get you a a bunch of turnovers or things like that. This is a defense that for the most part is is not a big turnover type defense. Now they've got players who should theoretically be able to do that. Jair Alexander, Josh Jackson, Darnell Savage. I think, you know, Zedaria Smith has the ability to be that type of guy where Sean Gary. So I think they have some of those type of guys, but I, I want to see them take the next step and really be, you know, not only a, a bend but don't break defense, but uh, a defense who can and get those big turnover plays and get the offense in, in plus scenarios.
2: Well, and I think it was always sort of that way, and I've always felt like Mike Zimmer's defense is the same way. Mike Petton's defenses have never been, like when Capers defenses were absolutely rolling, uh, they, they would still give up yardage, but they would turn you over three times, four times in a game, Patton has always been more comfortable to force you to go out or to go three and out like nine times. That's, that's been his goal is to try and and get you to punt. And like I said, it's, it's very much like a Zimmer defense where they just don't create a ton of turnovers. You look at like Trey Wayne's um, and, and, and Xavier Rhodes's you know, interception numbers. They're, they're not incredible, but, also, the yards against and the total points are, are not a big deal either. Same with Darrell Rebus. He did not have high interception numbers, mostly because he was completely locking his guy down and they weren't throwing it over there. And that's what I think your your main goal is uh, for for Petten, is more to shut the offense down than to take the ball away. And he, he, frankly, either way, for, for me, are effective ways of, of getting it done. It it just depends on, you know, what you, what you value as a coach.
1: Yeah, I think that's a very fair point, and I think yeah, I think that's super appropriate uh, to bring up because you know, like you said, you, you, there's there's multiple ways to win in this league, playing defense, and if they get a ton of pressure and a ton of sacks, and they force a, done, a bunch of teams to go uh, three and out or you know whatever it is, as long as they're not allowing points, uh, whether they get those turnovers or not, there, like you said, there's a lot of different ways to, to win that battle. So uh, that can certainly be the case as well. And, and to, to your point, also, I think uh, just with the, some of those players that I mentioned, they're probably set up uh, to play a little bit. More that way. This is a team that, in my opinion, doesn't have a ton of weaknesses on defense. They don't have a ton of you know all pro level talent, but they got really you know darn good players throughout the entirety of that defense.
2: Right, and and that's the thing is you do have those lottery tickets in Darnell Savage and Rashawn Gary, and frankly, it, it, Oren Burks to me is a lottery ticket just with his athletic uh, ability. Now I think he's maybe a lower odds lottery ticket, but. You do have the chance for Darnell Savage to be a star, Rashawn Gary to be a star, Jair Alexander to be a a legitimate field tilting star. Kenny Clark, in my opinion, is a blue chipper, all pro level guy now. But you do have guys, you know, that they pay a lot of money with Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith and Adrian Amos, that maybe maybe the 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 peak of their powers is just to be like one of the lower guys at the Pro Bowl or just a you know, an eight out of ten. And and you know what? If you have a defense with eleven guys that are eight out of ten, you're okay. gonna be in fantastic shape.
1: No, totally agree. I think we're definitely, definitely on the same page there. And I think we've seen a a better defense certainly than we've seen in years past, even through the first few days of training camp. So it's very, very exciting. And that's without Darnell Savage and Josh Jackson and some of these guys even on the field yet. So uh, some cer- certainly some positive takeaways in that regards. Uh, those were kind of the main things that I wanted to go over today, Ross. Any other takeaways that you wanted to, to touch base on?
2: Uh, you know, just something we said at in, in the beginning of that one video, and and, and it's weird. Uh, it's weird to not have Clay around. It's weird to not have Randall Cobb around, and of course, you know, certainly most recently, it's it's weird to not have Mike Daniels around. In fact, seeing him walk out in a '97 uh, Lions jersey on Twitter today just about knocked me out of my chair. But this is the uh, this is the Lafleur era, and. The roster turnover has been truly apparent. I mean, they they're not. There's no easing into anything. These guys are just putting the team that they want on the field on the field.
1: Yeah, and two things I'll add on top of that, and I I, t- I told you this, and I tweeted it out today. Uh, you want to talk about youth on defense? You've got Tremont Williams, who's the oldest player on the team. Dion Simon, who's the second oldest, who of course is not almost for sure going to be on the fifty-three. You then have Kyler Fackrell at twenty-seven, and everyone else is twenty-six or younger. So, super young defense. And then the other thing that I made mention of is a lot of those leaders, like you said, are gone. Mike Daniels gone. Clay Matthews gone. Randall Cobb gone. You know, even to you know Mike McCarthy, obviously gone. But you talk about seeing players step up and Devonte Adams and David Bakhtiari taking on more of a leadership role, coaching and mentoring players, not only just in their units. Today, David Bakhtiari was uh, mentoring Yash Nijman, uh, trying to work on his technique a little bit. But uh, yesterday he was working with Rashawn Gary after practice, telling them some things that he can work on today. Uh, In in practice, uh, Devontae Adams was basically demoing how he wins on a specific route and then was, you know, kind of uh, showing how he did it and kind of coaching the younger receivers on how to win in that specific route. And then those receivers try to kind of go out and emulate it. So seeing those type of guys take on more leadership roles, uh, that's exactly what you want when you see some of those veterans exit to to different teams.
2: Oh, absolutely. Uh, and, And I don't know. Honestly, how involved I, I know that Daniels was a leader, that's been obvious the entire time. I don't know how involved with leadership stuff Matthews was. Um, and and Cobb always seemed Matt Matthews seemed a little bit aloof, uh, and, and Cobb was definitely seemed quiet. Uh, but Mike Daniels, I think, was kind of a heart and soul kind of guy.
1: Yep, agree on both on all of those things. All right, Ross, this has been a ton of fun. It's been a a tremendous, you know, four days. You know, we've got to touch base a ton and, uh, you know, we've been uh, doing different radio stuff and it's just been awesome. And I can't thank you enough for uh, taking the time, doing the the videos, doing this tonight Uh, and certainly great finally to get to meet you in person as well. I appreciate everything that you're doing. For sure. Thanks for having me on, Andy. Ross and Jake are going to be back with you on Tuesday, but while you're waiting for that episode, please do us a favor. Make sure to go visit our friends at The Ticket King. Secure your tickets for the upcoming season. We're talking about all these young, exciting players. If you haven't had a chance to see players like Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, Kenny Clark, some of these amazing athletes in person, you absolutely need to do so. And the easiest and best way to do that is by going to theticketking.com. Make sure to use promo code Packaday. That's Packaday, No dashes, no spaces and you get 10% off your order today. Thanks to our friends at the Ticket King for supporting us. Uh, Please make sure to go out and support them. That does it for Ross and I. Thanks for listening to the Pack-A-Day podcast. We appreciate it immensely. But until next time, and as always, Go Pack Go!